0: of all the things you got going on in your day, thank you for carving out some time to include us in your day. Welcome to the quest. It's always good to be together. So before we get into the talk today, just want to encourage you. We want to pray. We want to seek God together. We want to invite God and His presence into our lives, not just into our day, but into our lives, into the very fiber of who we are. So let's do that. Father, we love you, and I thank you for each person that's listening. And you know what's going on in their lives. You know the things that they're wrestling with. You know the The struggles of life that they're dealing with. And I ask that you would walk with them. I ask that you would be their strength. I ask that you would give them faith for the challenges and the fears that they're facing. I ask that you would give them peace for the chaos in this world. Father, that you would give them favor. Father, that you would walk with them through the difficulties of life and that you would make your presence real and known in their lives. Father, we love you so very much. It's our desire to please you in all that we do. It's our desire to know you even more. And so, Father, we pursue you. Father, we seek you. Father, we desire to know you as you know us. So, Father, I just ask today that in all that we discuss, that you'd speak into our hearts, that faith would increase in our lives, that we would know you more, and, Father, that we would experience the joy that comes from knowing you. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we're continuing our series entitled Ask. And the issue of this series is we all have questions, and your questions matter. The problem is is that a lot of times we have these questions and we don't ask them we just carry them around in our lives and the longer we carry these questions without answers the more likely are they are to turn into doubts I want to encourage you if you have questions in your life that you would pursue the answer that you would ask the question see if we don't ask these questions either we stop growing or our perspective of God begins to warp and get distorted Some of the things that we've mentioned in this series are the church should be a safe place for us to ask questions. Not only that, but the, the church should be a place that celebrates the pursuit of truth. And that means that we personally need to be pursuers of the truth since we are the church. God wants you to grow, to develop, and to mature. And that process requires faith. And that faith gets developed as we seek to know God and ask these questions. See, here's the thing when we ask questions, it displays a humility in us that that communicates we don't know everything and we have a desire to learn. I don't know about you, but I have a desire to learn. I have a desire to know more about the God who loves me. Even though I can never fully know him, I want to know him more tomorrow than I do right now. So the question that we're going to look at today is this, how can I have joy in my life? How do I develop that? How do I nurture a joy in my life that sustains me in the difficulties of life? Because in the world that we live in right now, we're all dealing with this. We're all wrestling with the pressures of this world and possibly the absence of joy. I mean, I would even say that there are many Christians who live a joyless life. And I don't think that pleases the Father. I know that God designed us for something far better than a joyless life. So I want to address first where joy comes from, and you probably are aware of this, but you can write it down. It says this, joy is a product, a byproduct of the Holy Spirit within us. If we want joy, then we need to go to God. If we want joy, we need to be connected to God. We need to have a trust and a relationship with God. He's the one that produces joy in us. We can have joy in every circumstance because the Holy Spirit is producing this joy that we need within us. You know the scripture, but it's in Galatians chapter 5. It says this, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I want to look at how do we nurture this joy that the Holy Spirit is desiring to produce in our lives. Because while the Holy Spirit is actively working this to develop it, we have to be surrendered to it and surrendered to the process to allow Him to create this fruit in our lives. Paul says in Philippians 4, he says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. That means not just in the good times, but in all times. He says, I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all that you do. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. And just real quick from this one verse, I want to point out some points to you that I think are really important. The first one you can write down is this. Joy affects how we treat others. That verse says that joy makes us unselfish. Different translations communicate a gentleness that we will have towards others. The message says it this way. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side. Working with them and not against them. Help them to see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. So joy is important in our relationships. When we act unselfishly in our relationships, our relationships are stronger. When we treat people gently, we honor people in our lives. Joy enables us to do that. Joy is also important because of this. Joy expects Jesus to return at any time. Man, if you are living with an anticipation of Jesus' return, then you have to be full of joy. In fact, you're probably so full of joy, it's hard to contain it. See, we live with an anticipation of our true home in heaven, where there's no riots, no disease, no financial problems, no sickness, no death, no separation from those that we love. Joy anticipates the homecoming that we're going to have in heaven, the the family reunion that we're going to have with those that have passed. Joy anticipates a life in heaven, the life that God designed us to live. Joy is also important because of this, you can write down. Joy accepts that God is in control of everything that I face. Joy in us grows when we're not trying to be in control. We acknowledge that God is the one that's in control, and there is nothing too great for Him. It releases the stress of needing a desired outcome in our life. We have to accept that God's in control of all things. And this is something that we have to do every day, a choice. Paul says, "Make sure that you are always full of joy. always. And here's what that means. You can choose your attitude in all circumstances. And that's great news. And I would also say more than we can, we need to choose joy in all circumstances. Paul writes the book of Philippians while locked up in prison in Rome, a very tough prison chained to Roman guards. And he's writing these letters to a church that he started in Philippi. And it's important to know this so that we know Paul is not just blowing smoke when he's saying, hey, you can be joyful all the time. He's saying, I understand times are difficult. I understand what it's like to be under pressure. I understand what it's like to not have the most ideal circumstances going on in your life. I understand what it feels like to want to throw in the towel. But God makes joy available to you and it will give you the strength that you need. Nehemiah says that in the Old Testament, it says, don't be dejected and sad. Don't be down in the mouth. Don't be discouraged. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is why Paul can write a letter to a church in Philippi while being locked up in a Roman prison. And yet he is full of joy. And this is critical for our lives. The reason this is so important you can write it down is if we don't have joy, we will not have the strength we need in life to make it through difficulties. We will give up, cave in, conform back to our former way of life. So as I'm praying for myself, my family, and you, I'm asking God that we will experience the joy we need so that we will have the strength that we need. As you're aware, happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness is a sense of satisfaction based on our circumstances. So in other words, when things are going your way, yeah, you're happy. And another way you can say it, and you can write this down, happiness is based on the conditions around us, while joy is based on Christ within us. See, joy is not experienced when we know about Jesus. Joy is experienced when we love Jesus. Peter says that when a person believes in Jesus, and he writes it this way, he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love that inexpressible, indescribable, undefinable joy that comes from knowing you've been saved. It comes from your name being written in the Lamb's book of life. You can have joy no matter what. A deep-seated awareness of God's presence and activity in your life and in the uncertainties of life. In other words, when things get tense, when people let you down, when you're facing uncertainties, when you're discouraged, when you're facing frustrations, when you're facing times where you don't know what's coming next, in everything we can choose joy. We need to choose an outlook on our circumstances that kind of goes like this, you can write it down. Something good has to come out of this because God is in this. That is a great outlook to have. When things are not going as we planned or as we desire, when times are lean or difficult, God is still at work for our good. It's not on your notes, but Roman 8, 28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. When Paul writes this, Paul knows what is at stake because Paul lives with eternity in mind. He knows that this life is just a short pit stop in in light of eternity, in light of our true home in heaven. And Paul's joy is increased as he sees the growth, maturity, and the development of those around him. He says it this way, He says, my dear, dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. That's an encouragement that we all need. When it comes to our relationship with God, don't be undecided. Stay on track. Stay connected to the God who loves you. There's way too much at stake. This is the time in our lives to be all in not riding the fence half in and half out. I would even include this as encouragement. Don't get focused on the behavior of people in this world. Don't get discouraged or frustrated. Live with joy, there's too much at stake. Paul seems to say this, you can write down, whatever you do, don't let worry into your life. Worry has a way of creeping into our lives. It distorts our conditions and circumstances to render us helpless, hopeless, and joyless. Paul says, don't worry about anything. I'm convinced that someone needs to hear that today. Whatever you're worrying about, whatever it is that you're fretting over, stop. Stop it. Stop worrying. They say that the current worries that people have in the United States are political unrest, national security, civil unrest, finances, and an uncertain future. Listen, regardless of what you face in the world, the one within you is greater still. I believe we have to be diligent about this. We can't let worry into our lives. We can't let worry develop in our lives. We can't develop a mindset and allow our mind to nurture worries in our life. See, the dangers of worrying, our worry changes us. You can write this down, worry changes our outlook on life. It changes how we see life. The moment we let worry into our heart, it changes the joy we have with life, the direction of our lives, because your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Let that sink in. Anytime you're afraid, anxious, worried, it gets compounded. Another danger of worry is this. Worry changes our viewpoint of God. It changes how we see God. It changes the joy that we have in God. When we allow worry to be a part of our lives, it undermines the character of God and reinforces the lies that the enemy has created and has told us about God. It creates a distorted view in life, and it creates a distorted behavior in life. It causes us to second-guess God, to second-guess His love for us, His goodness, and His care for us i said this many times, but it's especially important that you hear it today again, and it's this. Worry imagines a scenario in our future without God's presence, power, and protection. I want to say that again because we really need to understand that. When we worry, worry imagines a scenario in the future without God's presence, power, and protection. That means we second-guess that God is actually with us always. We second-guess that God is working for our good. We second-guess that God has his hand upon our life. See, worry is a byproduct of a distorted and a bad thought life. And why would we give our minds the opportunity to create a life, to create a scenario without God in it? Why would we allow our thoughts to sabotage our connection with God, to distort our understanding of God? Listen, our mind is the battlefield and the enemy is doing all he can to plant thoughts that distort your view of God, that lie to you and tell you that God doesn't care, that God isn't with you, and that causes worry. Just understand this, most of the spiritual battles that we face are won and lost in our thinking. They're won and lost in our mind. A lot of people feel like, hey, they're only thoughts, and and thoughts don't hurt anyone. But I want you to write this down because I think it's important. The thoughts that we allow become the behavior of our lives. Our lives are always moving, as I said, in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Your behavior in life is shaped by your thoughts. Paul says in Romans, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Rather, let God transform you into a new person How? By changing the way that you think. See, you can't have a positive life with negative thoughts. It's impossible. You can't have a constructive life with destructive thoughts. You can't have a godly life with ungodly thoughts. Romans 8, 6 says this, that if your sinful nature controls your mind, your thoughts, if you allow your sinful nature to determine your thought patterns, well, what you're going to experience is death. But the Holy Spirit... When we allow Him to nurture our thoughts, when the Holy Spirit controls your thoughts or your mind, there you will experience life and peace. See, the thoughts that we think either allow us or prevent us from living with joy. When we allow God to shape the thoughts within us, when we allow His Spirit to form and shape the thoughts, our thought life, those thoughts produce the life that we need as well as the peace that we need. When Paul says, don't worry about anything, he's not saying don't do anything. If there's nothing we can do in the natural, then don't worry about it, hand it over to God or give it to God, surrender it. So if you wanna stop worrying, write this down, pray about everything that concerns you. Allow your worries to shape your prayers. If it's on your mind, then give it to God. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything, instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. He wants us to ask Him, and He wants us to trust Him. Paul says, present your request, your cares, your needs. Present them to God. Give them to God, and then leave them with God. Don't take them back. Paul says that our God responds to prayer, and if God responds to prayer, then we need to pray. Paul also says, if you want to stop worrying, thank Him for everything that He's already done man, there's so much that God has done in our lives that we probably have forgotten what he's done. I'd like you to consider something. Thankfulness is not an option. It's an obligation. It is a necessary response to the generosity of God. Paul says, tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your thoughts, your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus. See, peace is the calm that's established within us when we are confident, when we are sure that God is in control and we trust him. When God has our heart, our mind is at peace. When we have given God our lives, then our lives become full of his peace and joy. Paul goes on to say, if you want to stop worrying, focus your thoughts. A lot of us don't have focused thoughts. We have unfocused thoughts, undisciplined thoughts. We allow ourselves to think whatever we want. We're not proactive with our thought life a lot of times. But Paul says this, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Focus your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I like how the message says it. It says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true and noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. You have this ability to choose your thoughts, to choose what you think about. So what are some application steps that we can take, some daily choices that we can make that'll change our thoughts? The first one is this. I must feed my mind on God's truth. We're all a byproduct of our mental intake, what we think about, what we take in, right? So in other words, garbage in, garbage out. Healthy food in, healthy results out. Your body needs nourishment but your spirit needs nourishment too. Listen to what he says. He says, people need more than bread for life. They must feed on every word of God. So in other words, we're feeding on God's word all the time. In Psalms, it says it this way. It says, even in the darkest of night, your teachings fill my mind. Another daily choice we make is this. I must free my mind of destructive thoughts. Destructive thoughts can rule our lives and generate worry. And they happen to come from things like our old nature. Instead of letting my sinful nature control my mind, I need to choose to let the Spirit direct my thinking. They also are a byproduct of Satan feeding me lies. They're also a byproduct of the world's values. The more I focus on the world's values. If we're gonna free our mind of destructive thoughts, then we need to give those thoughts to God. That's what 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all of your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. We say that verse a lot, but we've got to start practicing that verse. Another daily choice is this. I must focus my mind on the right things. If I'm going to eliminate destructive things, then I've got to focus my thoughts on the right things in my life. Philippians 4.8. And now to brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. See, if we're gonna eliminate the wrong thoughts, then we need to establish the right thoughts. I already read for you Philippians 4, 8, and it's in that verse that we discover just how we're supposed to think. Don't dwell on the negative, don't dwell on the impossible. Don't allow yourself to think about false information, think about what is true. Don't allow yourself to think about scenarios without God's best intentions being carried out for you. Establish your thoughts around God's presence in your life, God's power in your life, God's purpose and plan for your life. It's all a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have that, I wanna encourage you to begin that relationship today. And it just begins with a prayer. It begins by you establishing Christ as the center of your life. You establish God as the core, the center of your purpose he's who you live to please no longer living to please yourself you choose to live for him listen i wish that i could make it more complicated for you but jesus has done everything already for you all you have to do is put your faith in him and choose to live your life for him it is easy and at the same time it's impossible without god helping you but when we ask him for that he steps in and enables it so I just want to encourage you if you want that relationship to begin that today also if you have that relationship that today you would begin to establish a thought life that eliminates the worries in life so let's pray together father we love you so much and I thank you for each person that's listening right now for those that want to begin this relationship with you father they may not understand what it all means they may not understand how But Father, as they open their heart and they ask you to be the center of their life, as they surrender themselves to you, as they put their faith, Father, in your son and what Jesus did on the cross for them, that he died and that he rose again. Father, I ask that you would forgive their sins, but Father, that you would give them new life, that you would give them new purpose, that you give them a passion for this life. And Father, that your spirit would fill them and use them. Father, they, they would experience your love in their life and the joy of life. Father, for all of us, may we experience that joy that we need so desperately. Father, help us to not live this life, a uh, joyless life. Father, help us to pursue you and to live with you in the difficulties, but help us to live with joy as we're focused on you and our thoughts are fixed on you. Father, help us to create and help us to shape and help us to nurture a disciplined thought life where we are aware of your presence and your power and your plan and your purpose for us we ask that in jesus name amen listen it doesn't just happen we know that it is a byproduct and every day we get up and we trust and every day we have to choose what we think i want to encourage you to begin to choose to think about God's activity in your life and allow it to fill you with joy because God knows there's no joy in this world that we live in. There's no joy in the politics that are going on in this world. There's no joy in the future of what this world offers. It all crumbles and fades away. But what God has created lasts forever. What God has for you is greater than what the world would could ever offer to you. Again, choose joy today. We pray that you have a great rest of your week. Thank you again for being with us and just carving out this small amount of time that we can be together. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. We look forward to seeing you again very soon. God's very best. You have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye.